The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of Starnes Media Group or KWAM. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Channing Schmidt is also a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc. and is employed by Securian Financial. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to Talk Money. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. Well, welcome to today's program. We have got a packed program, as always. We're going to find out what is really going on with the president's tax proposals and how they will affect you if they can get through the House and the Senate and then the president signs it into order. We also got a program we're going to talk about home and auto insurance and some of the things that are going on in the home and auto insurance and why it's important for you to be very aware of the price increase of your home, the cost of replacement. All of those things are so important when you start diving into, am I protecting one of my biggest, if not some cases, the biggest asset that a lot of people have? And, of course, then we're going to find out what Scott Jordan's going to tell us about comfortable retirement. Really, can you imagine that? A comfortable retirement post pandemic. That's a wishful thought there. we got a lot going on, but welcome to the program, Channing Smith, sir. Good morning, Jim. Great to be here today. Well, I'm glad to have you. And you know, it's it's like if we want to decide what's going on with the media and what's going on, you just pick up and you find out that you can you can get excited over so many things, especially right now with tax proposals. And I mean, you know, it's it looks to me like we you know the last time you were on, we talked about a lot of different subjects, but it just it's it's just it's almost to the point where can I can I make you mad? And uh, then we'll try to do a tax proposal. You know what I'm talking about? It's just like, let's get you excited about it. Is that? Do you seem to hear that, too, or is that something just at my household? No, Jim, I'm hearing this from all over. I mean, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of concern out there. Uh, you look at the headlines this morning, they're talking debt ceiling, they're talking about some of the budget proposals that are going on out there. I mean, there's a lot of concern out there about what this is going to look like when it gets done. When it gets done. That's the question right there. A lot of things going on this week. The last time we talked, we talked about two different infrastructure bills that were in Congress. What do you see that's happening and what's the status? Great question, Jim. And this is, I mean, it's something uh, I've heard the saying before. It takes a crisis for Congress to make an action. And that's kind of what's going on. Uh, Right now, the House is scheduled to vote on both of those infrastructure bills tomorrow. But what's looming out there also is the debt ceiling and all the compromising and all the the back and forth between Republicans and Democrats, between the Democrats, the progressive Democrats and the center Democrats. It's crazy. And so uh, right now, Speaker Pelosi has said that she wants to have a vote on those two bills tomorrow in the House of Representatives. So we'll wait and see what happens with that. You know, when you talk about the progressive and those in the center, is that presenting 
Miss Pelosi a big problem with today? Managing, because we have seen this kind of break away from the far left, the progressives, into a more centric, I used to call them, and I still call them, blue dog Democrats. Do you see that? Is that being a, a problem of maybe holding us accountable to what we're trying to pass? Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, the progressive side is really, um, they're using the bipartisan infrastructure bill and holding up the vote on that until they get their more progressive bill, which is a $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill, before they even act on that bipartisan one, they want that other one done. And the back and forth and in the media and in the press, you hear this back and forth between kind of that progressive side and you know the traditional Democratic blue dog side as well. Yeah, that's the kind of the thought process. If you just tuned in, my guest is Channing Smith. He's a lawyer and a CFP, a certified financial planner. He's the head of the advanced direct sales director for the individual solutions teams at Secure and Financial. We're very pleased to have him with us. Shannon, when we talk about this, or Channing, when we talk about this, I, I think there's a, a problem that it's, it appears that we're trying to tax the rich. I actually was reading something about the proposals and the marginal tax rates and all these things. No tax increases for those making less than 400000 That's a lot of people in this country that are making less than 400000 But what are the proposals as far as the income tax marginal brackets? What are, what are, we going, what are you seeing? What do you think is going to take place? Yeah, this has really changed a lot, Jim, from the last time that we talked. Um, and what's happened is... They've t- the House has taken the Senate bill, and they've made some changes to it. And this is kind of the first time we've actually seen some language uh, there that, that we're reacting to. So what they've done with the marginal income tax rate, and this is really kind of a way to get revenue right away, because with the, with the marginal tax rate, that's money that they'll receive uh, potentially sooner than they would on some of the wealth transfer stuff. So right now, you know, that $400,000 mark, which they used a lot in their campaign, that's really coming into play. And they're talking about getting to the top tax rate, increasing that to 39.6% for a single taxpayer making more than $400,000 and for a married uh, filing jointly, $450,000. And so this has really gone down. And this is not only hitting the wealthy that we talked about before, but this is kind of hitting kind of that upper middle class as well. So this has really changed quite a bit from what we've seen uh, from the Senate side. Do you think the pressure is uh, coming from that middle Democrat, or is it more from the Republican side, in your opinion? I think it's more from that middle uh, Democrat side of things. Yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. You know, it just seems like there's this understanding that you've got to be careful where we go with taxes because taxes, can, as we know, can get out of hand and stop a lot of things. Stop. So, speaking of that taxes, what about capital gains? I mean, I, I know there's some changes. Yeah, uh, and this is something that we talked a lot about. We were very fearful of something called lots of step-up in basis. That has gone away with the newest proposal. Instead, what they're looking to do on capital gains is increase that, the top tax rate for capital gains, at 25%. Not the ordinary income tax rate like the Senate bill, but the House one has 25%. The issue, though, is that it, it goes lower. Uh, 
to lower tax rates um, or for lower marginal tax rates. And so those that are single, once again, making $400,000, those are that are married filing jointly $450,000, they're going to be hit with that top capital gains tax rate of 20%. So this is going to affect a lot more people than what the, the previous proposal was. In your opinion, does that, I mean, Shannon, I won't, Shannon, I, man, I don't know what's going on with my tongue today. Channing, what, what do you think from a standpoint, I mean, that seems to be, when you talk about 400, 450, for a lot of people, bottom line is that seems like, a, you know, hey, they're making a lot of money, but we actually noticed that uh, the average income earner today has gotten well over, you know, the $70,000, $80,000, and I mean, we're, we're seeing an increase in wealth in a lot of people, and, and so this is really not attacking the wealthy. As you said, it's really going after just, you know, the upper middle class, and that's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. Um, and once again, to pay for this big bill, they need revenue, and they got to find that revenue somewhere. Well, I was reading something that the Tax Writing Committee from the House and Ways Committee, I mean, just the House and Ways, you know, and mean, House, House Ways and Means Committee, that they, on September the 15th, they were looking, and i got to ask you this, balances that are in the IRA accounts, retirement accounts of over $10 million, that they were going to come in and say, okay, you got to start taking a, you know, an annual an annual minimum distribution, and that you could not continue to, you know, put money into a retirement account, and uh, they've said that's passed. Now it's got to go to the Congress. After that's from the committee, and uh, that's from their report actually. What do you see that meaning to retirement plans? Is that the first little, as they say, the camel's nose under the tent? Yeah, that is kind of that first little, the cable's like peeking in the tent there for sure. Uh, you know, Congress sees, you know, a lot of money and, and people have done a great job of saving money inside of retirement plans. And there's a large balance out there. And, you know, there's been a lot of press stories about wealthy people taking advantage of certain things. Well, they just followed kind of the rules that were there before. So they see those large balances there and they'd love to get uh you know, more of that money coming out as revenue, because once you take money out of that, you know, there's going to be revenue that's there. So, yeah, they're definitely peeking in on the on definitely the retirement plan side and also kind of Roth IRA. Um, they are looking at possibly eliminating, at least for some of those taxpayers. Once again, it's kind of those that 400, 450 amount you know, not allowing them to do kind of those backdoor Roth conversions that I know a lot of clients like to do. Yeah, that's so, a, yes, they are definitely peaking in. Yeah, and that's uh, that's always a bad thing. If you just tuned in, tuned in today, it's uh, Shannon Smith, and we're talking with, um, bottom line, we're talking with, I know I said it again, guys. I know, I got it. I got guys in the studio that, man, I, I tell you, I'm going to get this tongue fixed. I know the problem this morning, but that's okay. But Channings, thank you so much. We'll be back in just a second. Channings going to give us some estate and tax laws that may be changing. Boy, we need to know that. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute with more of Channing Smith. <laughs> a lawyer and a certified financial planner. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.
Welcome back. Channing Smith is our guest. We are talking about the two proposals that are up in Congress and what that's going to do to us, the taxpayer, if they get through both houses and the president signs them into order. We've talked about, you know, Channing, I guess one of the one of the concerns and I have to say this to you because I was reading this. It actually comes from the Joint Committee on Taxation. It says in 2019, a total. Now, this is the total of three thousand six hundred and twenty five American taxpayers had one hundred nineteen point five billion in their mega IRA. Now, that's three thousand six hundred and twenty five. They had an average of little, little, at least ten million dollars. Now, obviously, that's a lot of money, but that's a small group of people. Why are we making such a big deal with the mega IRA? Yeah, that uh, that's a great question, Jim. And, and a lot of this comes from a lot of press where some very wealthy people um, have had a lot of big IRA balances, and that's gotten in the media. And so, once again, this is that progressive side of the Democratic Party and, and kind of taxing the rich, the ultra-rich, um, that they've taken advantage of the system in some way. Instead, they've just kind of followed the rules. Um, and that's kind of where they're having some laser focus on, you know, increasing the taxes for that ultra-wealthy. Um, and so the, it's based on some media reports that are out there, some very, you know, maybe famous people with large balances, and that's kind of where that comes from. It's a reaction you know, toward that. I know there's an issue there because if they change the rules midstream, now we have a history of that. I mean, actually, one of our great presidents of the United States did that. Mr. Reagan did that with limited partnerships, if you remember uh, changed the rules midstream and was no grandfathering. But this seems to be, you know, I mean, it's like they didn't break any rules. They followed the rules. And by following the rules, you get penalized for it. I, I don't follow me. Help me with that. Is that what you think is where we should be going? And I'm asking you, and I'm not asking you to be political with me. I'm just asking you to be from a planning <laughs> perspective. Let's be just from the planning side of it. Uh, you know, for the planning aspect of it, Jim, I, I loved when I work with when I used to work with clients. Um, it was it was basically I'd love to see the rules and follow those rules. The problem is is when Congress makes changes and all the changes that they're looking at unestablished rules and start going on that. It's tough as a planner to plan for that. Um, you always got to be on your toes about what's going on and making sure that you're giving you know the right advice to your client. So, yeah, it's difficult. And then, you know, with all these rules that are going on right now and, you know, potential of grandfathering some of this stuff in, it's tough because these are stuff that when they were put in place, these plans, they were based on the current laws. And in a way, it's really kind of targeting that, that group. And maybe it's not fair um, compared to how everybody else is treated. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I know I wanted to talk about estate and gift taxes. Closing few minutes here. What do you think is going to change? Yeah, kind of following up what I said before, you know, the, this newest proposal that's out there has kind of backtracked on some of the estate tax things. Uh, the previous proposal had a federal state tax exemption of $3.5 million. Um, now what they're looking to do is increase that up to $5 million, um, and they're not going to change the tax rate. So that is something that's there, that, but they are looking at changing some of those rules. And once again, to kind of hit on your, the point that we just came up with after the break, is they're looking to attack some of the planning that's already been done, uh, state planning that's been done for 
the wealthy people and attack some of those rules. And, and some of those rules have to go with trust. Some of it has to go with some of the valuation discounts that people have been able to take advantage of in the past. And so we're watching that legislation to see kind of where that goes. Because once again, this could affect planning that was done before, that was set up before. And it was, you know, when we did it, it was legal. And now, you know, they're looking to make change it mid-course. That's tough to do when you're a planner and working with clients. Yeah, that's a, that's the key there. It's just uh, I think every planner's got to keep his head down and know what's going on, do the best, and listen to people like you. My guest is Channing Smith. He is a lawyer and a certified financial planner, advanced sales director for for Securian Financial. We talked to Channing. We talked to you a lot, and I mean, I so much appreciate what you do. And uh, we'll have you back on. And one of the once the dust settles. I'm looking for you to give us the direction and the thoughts and as we put our heads together, what we can do for clients after all of this is done, sir. Thank you so much for today. I appreciate you, man. Sounds great, Jim. Thank you. Have a great day. Channing Smith and uh, always does a good job for us, and we'll have him back, and we'll kind of clean this up after it settles, the dust settles to see what's going on. But to now, I want to kind of shift gears, and here's the thought process. you got a home. It's your biggest investment. And understanding what you have spent good money on, your homeowner's insurance, can be sometimes a very difficult, difficult thing to do. I mean, it's complicated. So you needed a good, trusted advisor. So I want to welcome to the program. And, and, and you know, this guy does a great job for us, Dane Williams. And, and I, Dane, I just have to tell you, this is a subject that for some people can get extremely complicated to the point where they almost don't want to know, which is not the best way to do it. No, that's exactly right. I appreciate you having me. It's a, a conversation that most people, as we're thinking through, you know, protecting our biggest asset, it can just feel overwhelming with terms that I don't understand and deductibles and premiums. And man, I just don't know. Can you just handle it for me? Just handle it. Just take care of it. And and, and it's a trust. And yet, I, I think it's great that we can trust the, the insurance person that's putting it together for us. But how do you know, what, what would you say to somebody if you said, I really want to understand my policy, what would you tell them to do? Well, I think the first thing we want to talk through is what is and isn't covered. Those are the biggest things so that we can understand when there's a claim that's you know, likely going to put life back as it was. Uh, some of the biggest things that are not typically covered would be flood and earthquake. You're typically going to have to get either a rider onto your policy or an extra policy altogether, usually in the case of flood insurance. Um, that is one of the things that is usually not covered by it. But then after that, we're saying what is covered under most standard home insurance policies. There are 16 named uh, covered losses, more or less, things that could cause the loss, and they have to be sudden and accidental. Um, so when we start looking into the policy, we have to figure out, all right, there, there's something, there's damage to our house. What has happened? Was it sudden and accidental? And then what was the cause of it? That's what all insurance companies are looking at. So so wind is a biggie. Yep. Uh, what are the, some of the things that we have to look for in the Mid-South? Yeah, so our most common claim that we experience is wind and hail. Um, 100%. That That's something that we see all the time. Part of that is because in the, uh, in the storm seasons that we have, kind of at the start of summer and at the end of summer, uh, we will see times when we get some significant storms with high wind, and from there, there's going to be damage that comes. A lot of times, roof, uh, siding sometimes is damaged as well, but that's our most common claim. 
Uh, from there, the second most common claim we experience is water, uh, whether it is coming from something inside the house that is a, a pipe bursting or a dishwasher thing that's come loose, anything like that, or for whatever reason, water has gotten inside the house from you know a, a storm or something like that. Those are our two most common claims that we experience. The reality is there there is so much, and so you need to understand what is and is not covered the 16 things, but I guess there's so much that I think is so important with understanding. Do you look at price when you're trying to buy something? I think it's going to be a piece of it for sure, but it's not the main thing. We want to make sure that you have the coverage you need to protect your house. Price is not inconsequential, but oftentimes the most expensive insurance policy you can have is a cheap one because it doesn't cover anything when life happens, and that's something that's going to be very, very costly for you at the end of the day. Boy, that is so simple to get caught up in the price, and you're shopping, and you're trying to get something to cover this big investment that you've made, and you know you, you feel like, oh my goodness, I'm spending so much money, but I need to be careful. That's exactly right. Well, when we come back, we're going to find out how you need to understand that policy even deeper, and we're going to dive into it. Dane's going to help us with that. Stay with us. You don't want to miss that part of the program. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Financial professionals do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. Always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. I'm talking with Dane Williams. We're talking really about what your, in most cases, a lot of times for a lot of people, the largest investment you make in your lifetime is your home. And the problem with that is, is what do you know about the insurance that is you're actually having to purchase to cover the damages should something happen to that home? Whether it's a fire, or as Dane said, while ago, wind or hail, those are big issues. Water damage from a bursted pipe or whatever it can be. Do you understand what you're actually paying for and do you understand the coverage? And Dane, you said that a lot of people just don't really get into the weeds, which I'm not a weed person. I mean, I can, but I mean, that's normal. You just kind of, you know, step out there and you say, okay, I trust and I'm okay. But do people need to understand what they're buying and what they have? Is that important? Yeah, I think it definitely is to at least understand it better than most do um, because you never really know um, what you may be missing out on or hurting yourself by filing claims that aren't covered. You, you get into the process and you have some damage that is very clearly outside of the scope of the contract that you have, the policy that you have, and then you end up filing the claim. The insurance company sends an adjuster out and they write you a check for nothing, and that claim is still on your record. So in addition to not filing claims that we know are not covered, we want to make sure that we are filing the claims that there's a covered loss here, and we want to make sure that you're getting put back uh, whole for the coverage that you have. What are some of the things that that a a person who's purchased a home can do to limit the number of claims or the amount of a claim? What are some of the things they need to be sensitive about when you mentioned that? Yeah, so I think the easiest way to to avoid uh, is to avoid bad claims altogether, right? Just those things that aren't covered. Let's make sure we're doing that. But also some some home maintenance things that can happen that can hopefully uh, limit those. So if you've got trees that are overhanging the house, making sure the trees are trimmed, making sure there's no dead limbs on it so that when a storm does blow through and knock that limb loose, it's not falling through your roof. And now we're having to 
patch the roof, get, you got water that's poured in, and all number of things that may come from it. Making sure your gutters are cleared out so that those don't back up and have water that's running underneath your roof line and inside of your home. Uh, insulating the pipes when we're preparing for a, a freeze situation or making sure your chimney is clean of debris whenever you're starting that first fire for the year. All of these things are things that we can do around our home to make sure that we are limiting the opportunity for a loss. You know, you mentioned the, the fireplace and starting the first fire. Uh, Christmas, my next door neighbor decided they would put all the Christmas packaging in the fireplace and burn that. Mm. Oh, we were on his roof, uh, you know, putting out the chimney fire, putting out fire. I mean, I still don't, I remember that thinking, what am I doing up here? It's freezing outside, but it was trying to save his house. And we actually did save it. It took about four of us, but uh, never thought about you know, he just, but the the paper didn't burn like he thought it, more or less heated up and went up rose. the rose up, you know, went up the chimney, and uh, man, it was a it was a nightmare, and it was one of those things that innocent, absolutely innocent, but it literally could have presented a huge, could have burned his house down. All right, now we talk about when you talk about avoiding, but let's talk about claims. Claims can really be to some people a nightmare. I mean. Uh, there, you know, people get tell you all kind of stories that I didn't, and they get angry at the insurance company. They get frustrated with the insurance company. How do you guide a person through that? I know you've had to work with people through that, and you've helped them understand that. Talk about that. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is once we realize we have a claim scenario, then the first thing the insurance company wants you to do is try to limit any future damage that you can, within reason now. They don't expect you in the middle of a storm to be up on the roof with a chainsaw, tr- you know, trimming up limbs that have fallen on your they roof. They didn't expect us to be on the roof trying to put the fire out. I got you. No, that, that was uh, <laughs> unexpected. Unex- <laughs> yeah. You're going above and beyond. Yeah, we Additional were. services we yeah. offer at Shoemaker, by the way. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, not us. Uh, but I, I think, you know, if it's we've had something that's, blown a door open and water's pouring in, let's do what we can to keep more water from coming in. Some of the just basic common sense things to keep there from being further damage is step one. But I think also it's a good idea for you to reach out to your trusted agent to, to go ahead and say, hey, this is something I've got going on and I think it may be a claim. What needs to happen? Um, oftentimes people will default to thinking I need to call an 800 number and get this claim filed you know, quickly or, or this is the best thing for me to do to, to not bother my agent. But we want to be bothered. Uh, as If we're, you're a good insurance agent, you want to make sure that you're involved in the lives of your client because sometimes we may be able to save you from filing a claim that's not covered, or I may be able to, to send a contractor out and take a look at it, and he's going to say, well, man, this is a $700 fix. Your deductible is $1,000. You don't want to get the insurance company involved in this because they're not going to pay you any money, and you're going to have that claim on your record. So that claim stays on your record. Is that a detriment to you? Is that I mean if I, had a cl- if I filed a claim, but you didn't have to write me a check? What's the problem? So there, there are really there are multiple factors that go into determining the impact of claims on your record. One is the severity of the claim and the type of claim that it is. Bigger claims hurt more than smaller claims. But also claim frequency does hurt. So having a completely claim-free record is far better than having one zero payout um, claim. You know, I guess I get frustrated. Zero claims. I mean, I've been in paying for this many, many years for an insurance claim, and then I don't have one. And so I'm, I'm the good guy. Then I have one. And I, why do people feel like that that's an argument with the insurance company just for one claim? You know, it, it is tough because I understand you go, what the heck have I been paying for right. all these years? Exactly. At, at the same time, you, you never see the other side of that coin when you have a half million dollar house that burns to the ground and they have to write you a check for $500,000. 
and you've paid in, you know, over the course of your entire life, 17 grand worth of, of insurance premiums. You never see that side of the coin and say, man, I'm just, I really got one over on those guys. Uh, no yeah. one complains about that. So it, it is a business that everyone's running. Insurance companies are obviously making money through it. Uh, but it, it's it's a pretty fair process in the end when you think about the risk that they're exposed to, to having to pay out that big claim. Yeah, that's a great point. I can honestly say I've had to file some big claims and I have never... I mean, our building burnt down in 2010. So, you know, those are, I've never had a problem with an insurance company. It has been uh, one of the uh, pleasant experience in every case. Uh, And, 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 you know, honestly, um, I am blessed, you know, from that standpoint. I know some people that maybe not have, not have had as good a claim or experience, but but we've been blessed in that point. The thought of the 1-800 number, Mm -hmm. there's so much said about the 1-800 number. Talk about that. Yeah, it can... um when you're calling that, you don't know who you're getting that's going to be answering the phone at that point. It's whoever's working the desk and wherever the call center is, and they're going to be following the script that they were given by their corporate office, right? Um, if you have a claim that you are telling them that you want to file, they're well, the script says we write it down, we key it in this way, and we keep moving. When you call your trusted agent at this point, you know, I'm going to say, well, tell me about it. Let's let's really dive in here. Well, let me let me have somebody come out. Why don't you send me a picture of it? Let's take a look at it. We're really going to try to understand this to see if we can provide some guidance and counsel through this. And if you've got a legitimate claim that it's it's you know open and shut, the house burned down, man. Okay, cool. We'll get the paperwork going and we'll get you rocking and rolling. But when you have some of the nuance of maybe this is covered, maybe it's not, maybe this is a big claim, maybe it's not, then that's the time when we can really step in and add value that you're never going to get from some of these 800 numbers where you just have people, they're doing their best they can, they're doing their job, but they're just following a script. Wow, Dane, thanks so much, man. Dane Williams, if you'd like to talk to Dane, you can call him at 901-757-5757. Dane, you always do a good job. You've given me a lot of insight, especially when the understanding side of it. So appreciate you. We'll have you back. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, man. Uh, you know, I want to change. <laughs> i got to talk to my friend who's here with us on a regular basis. Here's the thought for you. Today, this is post-pandemic. Now, you know, I mean, I know I'm using that word post because it's not over. But we've seen kind of the brutal impact of over the last 18 months of what's going on with the pandemic. And baby boomers are more active. We've got pre-retirees that are feeling more confident. There's more cash in the savings account. You've got, you know, your assets have grown over the last 18 months. And spending habits, man, spending habits have gone out, you know, wow, just going up and up and up. Food, clothing, transportation, man, everybody spent more money in the summer. So Scott Jordan is here to talk to us and help us understand some ways to be confident and comfortable post-pandemic when it comes to retirement. Welcome to the program, my sir. Great to be here, Jim. You know, Scott, you always do a great job. You're with me a lot. But I mean, this idea of a comfortable retirement, do you see that? What are some ways that people need to look at that and say, okay, I want a comfortable retirement. I decided to retire as a result of the pandemic. What do you tell them? I think that what most people need is a plan and a strategy. And I know that sounds simple and and maybe even self-serving to some extent, but what I've noticed with people is there's a lot of uncertainty there. They they basically understand how things work. They've saved some money. They know that, you know, one day that paycheck's going to stop coming in. They're going to have to live off those assets. But they don't have a great idea of how they're going to turn those assets into income. Where's all their income going to come from? 
and how much do I need? How much is enough to retire? So it all starts with a good plan and a strategy. You know, and that's so easy to say. Easy to say that we need to have a plan and a strategy, but a lot of people procrastinate. So Absolutely. Help, help us understand. I tell you what, let's take a break. Okay. And when we come back, I want you to kind of guide us through what you mean by a plan and a strategy because procrastination is a part of the pandemic. <laughs> Stay with us. We'll be back in just a second with Scott Jordan. We're talking about some comfortable and confident things that you need to know about retirement. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Shoemaker Financial is not affiliated with Channing Schmidt. The views and opinions expressed are those of Channing only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Shoemaker Financial. Welcome back. I'm talking with Scott Jordan. We're talking about uh, comfortable and confident retirement post-pandemic. We're talking about planning and a strategy. Now, Scott, when you talk about this idea behind a plan and a strategy, and I mentioned the fact that's a great idea, but we procrastinate. So would you be so gracious and so kind to give us some structure here of what are some of the things that you would say to a, a person who's thinking, I want a comfortable, I want to be confident in my retirement years? I think it starts and where we usually start with somebody, once we've assessed what, I, what everybody has and kind of what we're trying to accomplish is really focusing in on what is that need? What is that cash flow need going to be in retirement. And most people think of that along the lines of a monthly income. Uh, we usually are, are working in some sort of a situation where we either get paid monthly or a couple of times a month. So it's really sitting down and figuring out, okay, what is that spending need? Now, I, I like to use the word spending plan because some people are kind of averse to the word budget. But really, you're looking for that, okay, what, what is it I'm trying to accomplish here? What do I have to have in my pocket every month? You, you, you know, you're saying need and have yes. to have. Is yes. it need or wants? I think it's both. I, I think you, you, you have to look at it at, first of all, what do I need? Need, right? what have I, <laughs> I got mean, to it, have? That, that's, that's that first number. But that, when I say needs, it's, it also includes the wants. So it's what are the things I'm going to want to do on a daily basis in retirement, and what is that going to cost? Um you know, it's it's those common things like I got to keep the lights on, I got to buy food and all that stuff. But we may like to travel a little bit, or or I may have some hobbies that I want to participate in. And and what are those things, and what are they going to cost? So you're looking at wants and needs, and right. then how much income is coming in. Right. And that's kind of setting up that planning, that that spending plan, as you talk about. Versus Absolutely. It's a budget, but I mean, people need to understand it's really, and I know a lot of people have lived on a budget for 20, 30 years. Yep. A lot of people have not lived on a budget. So it's really kind of stepping into a little bit of a planning process that helps them move through. And again, we're talking about a comfortable and confident retirement through those years where they're not bringing in additional dollars. Right. And and I think I've seen, I'm, I'm like you, I've seen a lot of people who don't really pay a lot of attention to what's coming in and what's going out. I've seen people who do a wonderful job and having elaborate spreadsheets that look at every penny. But I think when you talk about confidence and you talk about a comfortable retirement, really getting a handle around that is key. 
because that's gonna when when you figure out what that need is and figure out how you're going to supply that need, that's what's going to give you that confidence. You know, we tell everybody too, if it's a husband and wife, uh, a spouse, you know, you you, you got to have this 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 consensus. Yes, yes. And uh, we've seen it where it's not always been the same. Absolutely. I want to read. I want to do some traveling. Oh, we can't afford to go. Tra- you know what I'm yeah. saying? It's well, kind of like my wife and I never fight over money, Jim. Are you are you saying that? <laughs> Oh, that's I'm always sure. a calm, uh, cool yeah, conversation you know, in our conversation, house. Conversation, yeah. right? Okay. No, yeah, that nothing brings up a little bit of confrontation more quickly than some money talk. But, and so. then do you get into that? You know, it's what I say every time when I introduce the program. Yep. It's just one of the biggest problems we have. It is. What about debt? I mean, sometimes we'd like for people to have already completely eliminated debt, but you know, maybe they need to control it. Yeah, and more and more we're seeing people go into retirement with some debt, especially when you look at at mortgage debt as one of the most common we see. You know, that's one of those principles that we focus on when we talk about planning. You know, number one is spend less than you earn. And number two, it's really, I say avoid the use of debt, but at least minimize the use of debt. I mean, it, not all debt is bad. There is good and bad debt, but really minimizing that use of debt. Because when you think about it and you start talking about those cash flow needs, if you don't have any debt payments, then that's going to reduce that need significantly. So working towards eliminating that debt or reducing that debt is is one of the key tenant, tenants to really having that confident retirement. Now, from the biblical standpoint, we've always said that yeah. the borrower becomes the slave it's, it, to it the is lender. True. It and is absolutely true. That's really what true. you're talking about. At this point, when yeah. there's no more income coming in, you know, they've got their Social Security, they got right. retirement, their 401k plan, whatever it is, and then their personal savings, that three-legged stool, managing the debt Literally, or trying to eliminate it yeah. at that point is, yeah. is one of the best. I mean, we, you know, when we sit down and plan with somebody, when you talk about short-term, high-interest debt, that's one of the first things we attack. Now, when you get down to things like mortgage debt, the conversation gets a little more difficult, especially with interest rates where they are now. But at the end of the day, I would say being debt-free feels better than having debt, period. <laughs> what about... Excuse me. What about the idea behind this whole idea when you say creating living, you know, the, the cost and of working budget? But, you know, where all this money is coming from, there's got to be this idea behind stability. Yes. I know that doesn't seem like it's always a part of a lot of people's planning, but in a comfortable and a confident retirement, stability really is important. Well, that's where you're really kind of focusing in. Okay, okay we, we figured out what that need is. We know how much we need every month. Now, where that where is that going to come from? So we start with looking at what are those stable income sources? And I use that word a little loosely when I mention Social Security. But at the end of the day, that's a pretty stable source of income, and we feel like that'll be around. That, that, you, that uh, pension income, those are becoming more and more rare, but some people still have pensions. And, uh, you know, there are other ways that you can create some stable income for yourself. But, you know, when it comes to covering, and you, you mentioned needs and wants, when it comes to covering needs, can we do that with stable income sources? And and how can we prepare that for ourselves? And absolutely identifying what those yes. stable yes. income sources. I know we talk about trying to even build a savings plan for, in, people don't forget that there's going to be, things that they didn't plan for even in those retirement years. Sure. So where is that savings coming from? If it's if it's got to come out of all your retirement money, that can put you in trouble. So we, you talk about this a lot, where they build a savings plan for those unexpected expenses. Yeah, we still want, you know, I use the word buffer account. We still want that buffer account in retirement. That's that kind of that liquid savings that's there for those emergencies that come up. You know, we've got the monthly need nailed down, but okay, there's always going to be things that pop up. You know, summer hits, the air conditioner breaks, 
Um, you know, we we just got through talking about property and casualty and all the perils that can happen with that. Anything can happen that you might need more than that monthly income for. So having a little bit of liquid savings there is a great idea as kind of a buffer to to those things that can come well, you up. You know, you talk about, you know, Danes talks about his insurance, but even Channing talked about it's things that can change, and we've seen the tax laws change, and so having the buffer there is really what we're talking about. So we've talked about calculating your actual cost. I mean, we're talking with Scott Jordan. We're talking about a confident, comfortable retirement, controlling debt or eliminating debt. Have a plan. Have a, an understanding between you and your spouse. This is what we're going to do with either short-term debt or long-term and then, of course, uh, stability. I mean, where's the money coming from? Is it stable? What am I doing to put together as much stability into my plan? And then you talked about building a savings plan. What about continuing to work? I mean, a lot of people are retiring at 65, 66, and they say, but I want to continue to do something. Yeah, we see that a lot. And I think that that, that age kind of gets ingrained in people's mind. You know, they start hitting that 65 or, or 66 or whatever that number is. And they think, well, I got to retire now. But we see a lot of people that, that want to continue working for a little bit longer. Now, in planning, our goal is to try to get people to where work is optional because work's not guaranteed either. You don't know if you're going to be able to work from a physical standpoint. You don't know if your skills will be marketable in the labor marketplace long term. So you want to get to that financial independence, but continuing to work either full time or or going to a part time role or doing something in retirement can a help bring in some extra cash flow, but also add that important meaning and social con- concept to your life. So. You know when you when you talk about confidence in your retirement, comfortable retirement, and we talk about it, you know, kind of labeled it as post-pandemic, but the reality is, bottom line, I mean, you know, people need to put this whole package and thought process and realize medical insurance That's is a big going one. to be a problem, That's and a they're going to live longer than they expected to live. What is the takeaway that you want people to know? Well, I think number one is, is is have a strategy, create a strategy, sit down and count the costs, look at what you're trying to accomplish and put some goals around that. Um you know, cal- calculate that cost. What is that note? What is that need going to be? Uh, and get ahead of it with saving, you know, start saving the money that you're going to need for it. And I would say if you don't understand this or need some help, get an experienced guy that's been through this that can help you talk through that. And that's Scott Jordan, 757-5757. Well, you've been listening to KWAM, the mighty 990 FM 107.9 and AM 990. I want to thank my guests, Channing Smith, Scott Jordan, and Dane Williams. If you have questions for Channing, Scott, or Dane, you can reach them at 901-75757. I have a PDF that I want to offer you. It's called Peace of Mind Checklist. You can go to Shoemaker Financial Facebook page and search for the document. It's free. Download the PDF, and it does help you have a comfortable and confident retirement plan. It's called Peace of Mind Checklist. Next week, my guest, Bob Dahl, we're going to get a market update. And what can we expect for the remainder of 2021? Frank Allen is going to talk about why you go about looking for a selecting an advisor, a CFP. How do you do that? And Scott's back with me. Some fun fundamentals on successful wealth management. That's Wednesday at 9 a.m. and again on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on KWAM, the mighty 990. If you have questions, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Thank you so much for listening. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. 
I'm Jim Shoemaker. This Jim Shoemaker is Talk Scott Money. Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Channing Schmidt is also a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Security and Financial Services, Inc. and is employed by Security and Financial. 